Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> oh, Timmy, my boy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Schmidt and Lavelle. My name is Tom Lavelle, and as always, I'm accompanied by Mr. Timothy Schmidt. This is, I believe, the seventh official episode that we are putting out. Of course, we have two that have gone missing. My apologies, Timmy. The archives. Into the archives. Um, on this week's episode, we got a lot to cover. We've got the uh, the Sixers, the NFL draft, my mom's vacation, a new rule for New Jersey Little League baseball, first Holy Communion, Harper playing tonight, and uh, of course, Joel Embiid just winning the NBA MVP. Before we get into that, we want to, uh, of course... Thank all of the people that are liking and sharing and commenting on our stuff. A little shout out to um, a couple of mistakes yesterday or last week in thanking the people that have made the comments. First to the ill one. At first, I thought it was called Dialon. Like if you remember from uh, Puff Daddy's like reality TV show a couple of years back. And I said Dialon and Tim then corrected me and said, no, I believe that's the Lil one. Right. Well, turns out we were both wrong. It's yeah. the ill one, also right. known as he stiff huxtable. Correct. That is correct. That is correct. He, and that's uh, your friend, right? It's a, yeah, it's a buddy of mine. He grew up right around the corner from us. He's like a brother to me. Uh, that's that's Harry. One Harry. The the people know him as BB Downey. BB Downey. BB. Yeah. Yes. And the he stiff huxtable is a reference to. Um, the Cosby show, which no, I mean, yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, I think that's okay. I don't think they're doing reruns anymore. Uh, I think that's not in the in syndication anymore. After, after one, <laughs> Philadelphia's grandfather, uh, got himself into some trouble <laughs> a little bit, Yeah, a little bit, the, but, the little one, the ill one, right? He's stiff huxtable. We appreciate yeah. your comments and you liking the show. All right. And then uh, a second person I'd like to give a shout out shot me a text about the show. And she said, hey, Tom, future topic. I'm back owed like 17,000 Barbies because Tim would say to me, hey, Al, if you give me the remote, I'll give you a Barbie for the majority of my childhood. So maybe bring that shit up since his extra wide fat feet didn't fit into the shoes I bought him. <laughs> Tim, we knew there was going to be some backlash from uh, uh, from the segment involving uh, um, Christmas gifts and and the gift that your sister uh, had gotten you, then returned and then never replaced. Any, uh, how many Barbies do you think you owe your sister? It's it's, I would say in the vicinity of a thousand. Um, yet at that point in time, Tom, I uh, I was bartering with no money, <laughs> and I was not a. And I was not an adult. I was I was well under the age of twelve, I believe, when I was doing <laughs> that to my sister. So, um, yeah, I can see where the where that parallels, but it it's not the same. It's different. Not, it's totally different here. You know, <laughs> we're talking about forty year old adults here buying each other Christmas gifts. So, I mean, if she wants those Barbies, she's gonna have to come and get them probably. <laughs> You want those Barbies, you're going to have to pry them from my cold, 
dead yes. fingers. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> well, either way, uh, Allison, I appreciate you listening to this show, and uh, thank you for the text, Tim. Um, I would say you owe a Barbie, and and then you'll be getting maybe those those shoes for another banquet that you'll be attending. Yeah. It uh, it rained a lot this weekend, Timmy. Me and uh, me and the kids, we we were we were in. Games were canceled. Um, certain yeah. things that we did over the weekend. How how was your weekend? I was looking forward to a solid weekend of golf. Um. Yeah, this is the weekend I did not have my kids, and um, yeah, I was looking at the weather all weekend and praying for some sunshine, and uh, unfortunately, that did not come our way. We uh, we uh, were rained on pretty heavily in the Delaware Valley, and uh, that did not does not bode well for golf courses, Tommy, in the area. Um, so I essentially sat on my ass the entire weekend doing nothing it was just a lazy weekend which was fantastic sometimes you need those i literally sat on a chair for the entirety from like friday all the way to to sunday night what was the food situation there you're sitting on the chair what are what are we what are we eating over the week a lot of lot of ordering out you know a lot of like chicken wings and stuff like ran to the acne picked up one of those nice little uh rotisserie chickens too love those i mean they last pretty much the entire weekend too like if you if you get a big one dude i mean you're sitting there picking that thing you can put it in eggs you can make some some like cheese melts, you know, like, you know, it's just, it's a perfect kind of item to last Chicken around salad the weekend. If you need pizza, we got some Alex's pizza. We have a little situation going on with the bathroom here where we had a leak and, you know, there's a lot of people here over the weekend kind of fixing the bathroom. So a lot of people in and out of the house this, this weekend, but I mean, for me, a lazy weekend is perfect when you're sitting on the couch you got nothing to do and it's you, your phone and your you got your remote control and you're just going back and forth and and the thing that really I I have noticed this weekend is that couch like it becomes like your island, right? And yes. You're sitting on that thing the entire weekend and I swear to god like you know, you try to get comfortable. You, sit you become for... one with the couch, I'd say, or, yes. or, the, or the chair or whatever it is. You're now a team in, in, in unison now. Right, right. And there's no one there's no one around you. I'm a big guy. I, no one else is sitting on the couch with me. So, yeah, you know, I'm sitting there. I'm dialed into a, a, you know, a show and I'm I'm flipping back and forth. Right. And then like, yeah, I'm like, you know what? It's time to it's time to change the channel here. And then like you go to reach for the remote. And like where you thought the remote was, it like sinks in between the cushion and you can't find it. And you start tossing and turning on the couch to, you know, try to get the actual remote without having to like adjust your entire body. And like, it's like buried deep into the couch or like stuff like that happens. And then like, it's like one of those remotes, Tim, too. Like I have the, uh, I have like a fire stick or a, a Roku and the remote's like, this it's like a uh, it's, it's like a small thin room. yeah and you yeah. can't it when you do lose those remotes it's like the end of the world it's a needle in a haystack basically they should replace a needle in a haystack for a roku remote in the couch yeah you know, they're no. impossible to find well well that's the problem too is because like with these you know cable companies now you have to stream like you have to stream like the phillies were on apple tv so like 
I had to have my like you know, TV remote plus the cable remote. And then like you lose one and then you can't switch them back and forth with the TV. And then like my dude, my, my cable remote is so old. Like if it falls like a half a foot, the batteries pop out, the thing falls <laughs> off. Then like the battery will roll underneath the couch and then you have to get off the couch and have to go find the battery. And it's oh. like, it's a nightmare, dude. But it's just like little things like that, like really interrupt like your laziness throughout like the weekend, right? Like it's raining yeah. out. You don't want to do shit. Just lay on the couch and then just like you lose the remote or the remote falls and it breaks or that or like you'll you'll twist your body one way and your elbow will hit the remote and somehow the TV will go off. It's like, how yeah. the hell does your elbow hit like that? one tiny button there's like 65 buttons on the remote but it happens to hit the power button every time yeah and, and something goes seems off. to always go wrong too like even if i get like some food you know next thing you know i have it and then like i'm doing it and then like you said an elbow hits something and next thing you know my blue cheese is on the ground and now i have to get up go get a paper towel yes clean up that mess put it away and it's like no matter what you do you're just trying to sit there and do nothing still god laughs at you and makes everything go wrong right and I, I equated this to like when you're driving in a car, right? And like you have your phone and like your phone's on your lap and you're you're following MapQuest or you're you know, you're using Waze and you make a turn and it slips off your you know, slips off your lap and it slides in, in between your seat oh. and like your center console and then it goes down and you can't reach it. You're driving and you're just dude, it's just like so annoying. Like, how does it like there's that tiny space? And it somehow figures out a way to get in that little crack and underneath your seat to the point where like, you're not getting it. You just yeah. have to, you have to like wait until the next time you get out, like at a red light, or if you're really like crazy, you, you put your car in the park, you get out at the red light and you start tearing your car apart. Like I do because I'm a psycho, but <laughs> I mean, or you can just be normal and just wait until you get to your destination and yeah, and get your phone. But Hey, well, that's just me. Well, Tim, overall, would you say the weekend was a success? Did you get to have your nice, lazy weekend, despite a couple of road bumps? You know, a couple yeah. of uh, a couple things that happened in the in a way, losing the remote, spilling a drink, maybe. The weekend overall success. You got to enjoy yeah, yourself, nice, relax. Nice and relaxing. I just wish I played some golf, but hey, what are you going to do? You're going to have to do it, I guess, during a week at some point, right? Yeah, that's right. Whatever, whatever. So. A big weekend for uh, Philadelphia sports. Um, obviously, we mentioned earlier that Joel Embiid has now officially won the MVP. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to get to that a little bit later. Um, they had their first game against the Celtics, uh, game one of a seven-game series. And despite Joel Embiid being out and the Celtics shooting 71.8% from the field in the first half, the Sixers found a way to win. 66 points in the first half as opposed to 49 points in the second half for the Sixers. James Harden, 45 points, hit a three-pointer with 8.4 seconds left in the game to take a two-point lead. And Paul Reed sealed the deal with some clutch free throws at the end of the game. Tim, was there ever a doubt the Sixers would win? Um, Yeah, there was a doubt before the game started. Um, <laughs> yeah, Not just with... Yeah, myself, but I mean, I think the entire world, I mean, the line was, I think set at 10 and a half. Um, and you know, obviously that's a, it's a big number. Um, I am, I've been completely frustrated with Joel Embiid in the, in the playoffs in the past. He's been very injury prone. Um, 
and we'll get to the uh we'll get to your tweet in a little bit tim i want to talk about but first for the listeners i know we never doubted the sixers maybe we might have a little there was a little clip uh the day before the game of some espn analysts talking about the sixers chances in particular james harden playing well throughout yep. the mm-hmm. nba i want everyone to kind of give that a listen here just for a moment Perfect. on down the line i mean james harden for as gaudy as the numbers might be he's probably going to get um dissected we'll say defensively right it's, it's oh, that might be bit. true <laughs> Guys, what have you seen in the last few years this that fucking leads you guy. to believe that james harden for dallas is like gonna belly turn laugh. back the clock to a point where could lead the sixers through this series without him being what I really what? resent is like the genuine What is this guy's verse, name? Genuine. Right? His name's Nick <laughs> Friedel. Like, I think I'm pronouncing <laughs> I just, that right. I can't even believe He's a freaking turd, dude. Cool. I mean, this thing, too, and him cracking up, it's like, I, I want to look him up. I don't know what the hell this guy's ever done. The lady... Less pointed, you can the lady say. The speaking is Monica right? McNutt. And that maybe doesn't evoke such a gregarious laugh from Fredell. We, we all watched the Brooklyn experience. We saw the beginning of the no Arden no in Philly. Wait a minute. No but, but James Harden, just because he's played a <laughs> that laugh, point dude. guard. I, I, yeah, I mean. really getting under my skin. Uh, yeah, mine too. Game. Max Kellerman was, was definitely having the back, and he was the one that's saying that he thought Harden could have a game today and you know he's been playing a traditional point guard and not necessarily the 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 score that he was before he went to Brooklyn or Philadelphia Tim first of all what are your thoughts on that video and that clip and then second of all James Harden 45 points six assists can he sustain this moving forward um so number one I, like what kind of analysis is that like that's again this is why I don't tune in to ESPN because Idiots like Max Friedel. I mean, Nick Friedel, Nick, whatever, Friedel. whatever his name is. Max Kellerman is, is a guy I do respect. I, he used to be a, a you know, a highly touted uh, boxing, boxing analyst. and analyst yeah. and, uh, you know, turned to, I think he was actually hosted around the horn for a long time. Anyway, regardless that dude, I mean, what kind of analysis is that? Like who's tuning in to hear some fat idiot laugh for 45 seconds about James Harden and then James Harden goes out and does that and makes you look like the fat idiot that you are. Yeah. Um, it, Tell him, like, Timmy. <laughs> no, it's just like guys like that and Brian Windhorst and and stupid analysts that they decide to put a microphone in front of that have no idea what they're talking about. Um, and they just do it for clicks and, and things of that nature to try to get people look at their page and and get their v- views up or whatever, whatever their agenda is. It's just, it just doesn't seem like it's basketball driven. The arrogance, um, the arrogance too of that guy. Like, who are you? You know what I mean? And don't get me wrong. We hate Philadelphia players more than anyone. We're from Philadelphia. You know what I mean? We'll, we'll shit on them before anyone, but like, who the hell is this guy? Nick Friedel. And then Monica McNutt joins in on the, on the bashing of James Harden and stuff like that. And Kellerman, to his point, made some some great points that he's not been in this role, and maybe he turns back the clock and and drops some some you know dimes on him. Next thing you yeah. know, forty five points later, Kellerman looks like a genius, and these two dopes are getting dragged throughout the internet. Sorry, yeah, Tim. The, the second part of the question was uh was or whatever you're gonna say. No, about Harden, you're asking if he can sustain it through the playoffs. So, I mean, what you're seeing right now in Game One, um, or what you just saw in Game One was. James Harden had to, to do it on his own, 
right? Like he's not the first scoring option anymore. And that's the role that he, he signed up for when he came to the Sixers. He knew that Joel was the guy that they run the offense through. And that's the role that he signed up for. And that's the role that he plays, right? That's why he led the league in assists this year. Um, in all the other places that he's been, right? I mean, Houston is the prime example where he was the guy. He went out and he was a leading league. He was he led the league in scoring those years when he was in, in Houston. And then he went over to Brooklyn, right? That obviously didn't work out. But there's two other options in Brooklyn when he went there. There's Kyrie Irving, right? And then there was Kevin Durant. Like, there's not enough balls for everyone to go around, right? Like, it doesn't work that way. So, with Joel and beat out of the lineup, you have to rely on somebody, right? Last year we saw that too with Embiid out of lineup in the playoffs, but Harden wasn't healthy last year. He had the issue with the hamstring. He, you know, he admitted after after the season that he wasn't fully fully strong, fully healthy. Um, and what you saw last night was something that you know he has in the bag still. I mean, he's playing for a contract. Um, I don't know if he's going to be back this year uh, or back next year. Uh, I mean, as soon as he leaves here, if he continues this this play throughout the playoffs where he's putting up, you know, double digit numbers in terms of, you know, points and rebounds and, and assists or what, you know, it, he's going to get paid somewhere. And I doubt it's going to be Philadelphia because, you know, he is getting old and um, I don't know if you want to bring back him for an extensive period of time. I, mean, I don't know if he's got four years left in him, you know, right. and that's probably what he's going to be looking for. But I mean, at the same pay, I think he realizes that this is really his only shot at winning a title right now. Um, you know, and, yeah, he put the put the team on his back, and he went for forty five, and and shut all the naysayers up about you know if he still could do it. And it was great to see, and it was awesome. Yeah, they were calling it the the um, the Harden Garden last night, which ah, it was. Love that. You yeah. know what he? Uh, I I, I kind of noticed too, like in games previously, and I don't know if this was is without Embiid in the middle, but. When he takes it to the to the rim, he goes all the way and tries to make the shot. He, yesterday, I noticed a lot of um, you know stopping and kind of more of like, you know, it, like uh, he he was being more stealthy almost, and like when he would decide to shoot, it was kind of not like traditional, yeah. you know. And so he was he was throwing off the defenders that way, and I felt like he was getting a lot of good shots in in, in making them. And so I yeah, thought now, that well, style was good for him. Well, in the beginning of the game, you know, he establishes mid range jumper. Um, which was, you know, if you've watched James Harden over the years, I mean, that was, yeah, that was his mainstay. And he got to the rim a lot easier than he does now. Um, you know, he's a little bit older, a little bit slower, you know, so he's not going to take on that contact as often as he, as he did in his previous years. But I mean, it was true, a throwback Harden game, um, you know, inside and outside, he got to the rim, finished a lot at the rim. Uh, he didn't do one on the foul line. Usually Harden was one of the top, uh, free throw getters in the league, you know, in the past. And he only shot four three throws, I think, yesterday. Uh, made seven threes. He did everything. And and he also did it on the defensive side of the ball, which was good, too. I mean, he yeah, look, he's not a lockdown defender. That's not what his game is. But, uh, you know, he was able to step up in, in the times that were that were needed, especially at the end of the game. Yeah, nailed that clutch three with 8.4 seconds left, like we said. Um other big games, Tyrese Maxey, 26 points, four steals. That one steal at the end, that was, I don't know where the hell that pass was going to, but hey, that's usually us doing that, and that was them doing it. So it was nice to see it go the other way. Tobias Harris, 18 points. Uh, DeAnthony Melton, 17 points, five for six from three-point land. Big first half. Without him, they're blown out of that game, right, Tim? Without yeah. Melton in the beginning? Yeah, we. I mean, we look at the first half of that game, and well, especially the first quarter. 
Um, I think the Celtics, you might have the stats in front of you, but I think they put up 30 plus point, 38 points, maybe. Um, but I mean, they were 17 of 20 from the field. They missed three shots in the first quarter. Um, first yeah, half, this, they shot 71.8% in the first yeah. half. Yeah, it was just ridiculous shooting, and Tatum and Brown are, are tough guys to stop. Um, but everyone contributed for the Celtics, and I'll tell you what: if the if Melton didn't do what he did, if Harden come out shooting hot, um, you know, everyone contributed to stay within reach of the Celtics. Right? I think they were down seven eight for the first quarter, but um, my God, I mean, if they didn't do that, it would have been a blowout from start to finish. And uh, you know, kudos to. Goes to um, the coach Doc Rivers. I mean, he, I think he had one of his best playoff games as a as a sixer as a Sixers coach. Um, but you know, all in all, it was just a, a total team effort. And uh, you know, they stole one at the Garden, which is incredible. So now they have home field home court advantage. Um, you know, the question now is, will Joel Embiid play in Game Two? Um, you know, the the key to these series is is stealing a game on the road. You know, that's the only way you win those series. And now that they got one, they can they showed that they can beat the Celtics without Joel Embiid um, on their home floor. So do you run out the same the same plan, the game plan as you did in game one, or do you add Embiid depending on his health, um, you know, and and try to go back to Philly 2-0? It's 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 going to be interesting. It's a tough this tough decision, but I think you sh- you should probably rest them. Yeah. So. D'Anthony Melton, 17 points, like we said. Paul Reed, 10 points, 13 rebounds. Those free throws at the end, a couple trips to the line, and he just nailed them. No problem. I loved that in the pressure situation. Now, P.J. Tucker, five rebounds, two steals, zero points. Do we need more from Tucker for the Sixers to win this series? Um, He's kind of getting a pass because we won. Had we lost, I feel like he'd be under a lot of scrutiny. Look, he's he's an energy guy. Um, He's a hustle guy. Uh, you know, he's known for those corner threes in the playoffs. Um, we haven't seen much of that yet. Um, you know, in the first couple games of the Brooklyn series, they were calling him playoff PJ Tucker. Um, look, I think you're going to need some points out of PJ if he's going to play an entire game like that. You know, you need something from one of your starters. Uh, what he brings is kind of like the intangible stuff, but um, yeah, I think I saw a tweet someone, someone wrote. It was a record. Like, it was the first time a starter ever played as many minutes as he did without a field goal attempted or a field goal made with zero points, right? Wow. Like, in in hindsight, like, uh, someone said, like, oh, yeah, he look, he's a winner. That's all he wants to do is just win games, right? And it's like, all right, well, if we lost, what does that look? If you play devil's advocate, like, what did that guy do, really? You know? Like, yeah, yeah it was great hustle and all that. But, like, I mean – I don't know. It's just a tough spot because they do need guys like that. He brings toughness to to the lineup, and uh, yeah, I guess it paid off. But yeah, I I like to see him score a little bit more. Yeah. All right. So as we mentioned at the beginning of this segment, Joel Embiid won the MVP. It was just announced. He had a season thirty three point one points, ten point two rebounds, four point two assists this year. Great year for Joel Embiid. Obviously worthy of an MVP. I know they've been campaigning for him for a little bit, but Timmy, I want to talk about something that has been um, kind of big on our minds, and we're going to reference a, a, a tweet of yours. So 
Injuries for Joel Embiid throughout the playoffs. 2018, an orbital fracture. 2019, knee soreness, stomach virus. 2020, an ankle injury. 2021, a torn meniscus. 2022, torn ligament and thumb, orbital fracture and concussion. 2023, a sprained LCL. Now, he just got announced as the MVP, and you put out a tweet earlier um, saying that it's time to blow up the process. It's over. Along those lines, I don't have it in front of me to read it quote for quote, but uh, I feel your frustration with this. Is it time to move on from the MVP of the league, Joel Embiid? Um, look, I was extremely frustrated uh, when they announced that he wasn't playing. Um, yeah, you know, listening to the radio and you know, kind of scouring through Twitter, it looked like he was going to go and play. It wasn't as serious as we thought it was going to be, and yeah, the way the chips are falling, you know, with all these teams going down, the Bucks are now out of the playoffs, right? And, you know, you have the Heat and you have the Knicks, you know, playing in the other series. And, you know, the winner of this South Celtic Sixers series is going to take them on, right? And it's their greatest opportunity to really get to to the finals. The West, the West really isn't as strong as it usually is. And, dude, I was venting. I was pissed, man. I like, agreed with you. I liked it. I agree with you. It's like, here we go again. Like, we're, yep. we have the greatest opportunity, and our best player can't play. And we're going to hear it again next year. Like, well, yeah, we just, we got to keep him in saran wrap or plastic wrap until, you know, the playoffs, make sure he doesn't get hurt. And then, you know, the first series, the guy has a sprained LCL. It's like, what, what is going on right now? Like, it just, it just doesn't feel like it's going to happen. I mean, granted, we're we're talking about this a little bit differently. If the 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 Sixers lose that game one against the Celtics last night, right? And we're out. We're down to one. But like, my God, like, if if they do lose a series, you have to question where do you go from here, right? Um, you know, Can we get talking. anything for Joel Embiid right now? Is his trade value? And I know this is crazy talk because we're like, let's ship off the MVP, but. We've seen it so often, and I'm not saying he's not a great player, but the, you can't keep the guy on the court. We've always lost in the second round. At some point, your star players are who you're going to point the figure at, and what's going on? You know, like, are we crazy? Am I crazy for saying maybe we should move on? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's the route you go, right? Like, I think you, you have a star player in Joel Embiid. They call him a, he's a generational talent. Right. Um, you're not going to yeah. get the return for him, you know, that you'd want. Uh, you, you might. You might. I mean, you'd probably get a lot from him. But, um, I mean, I think the the, the avenue you go is you, you keep on bringing somebody in to pair him with, like a Dame Lillard or somebody like that that's looking to come move on from their team that's, that's you know, as equal to or better than, than what you have in Harden because, you know, the reality seems like he's going to move on. So, I mean, I don't want to talk about that right now it's just like we're in the middle of a celtic series here hopefully joe comes back and yeah you know, he just became the mvp i think it's a little crazy to talk about trading him but it just got me <laughs> it got me frustrated dude i kind of me I too jumped, i got jumped the gun there and i hope to god you know he can come back and contribute to the series and we move on to the finals so that's that's kind of where i'm at yeah, we'll see moving forward. If they don't make it out of this round, then I seriously have some questions as what we do moving forward. If they make it to the NBA Finals, then I say, okay, well, we'll see what happens, you know? Right, yeah. All right, so also, um, 
in Philadelphia. A lot of uh, a lot of things going on, like we said this past weekend. There was the NFL draft, and what to me was a great NFL draft for the Eagles. There was a lot of talk about the Eagles taking Bijan Robinson with their pick, and and maybe he would be the answer. Um, Tim, we had talked about that on our show previously about Robinson being drafted. So. A little research. The Eagles haven't drafted a running back in the first round in 40 years. Do you know who the last running back the Eagles drafted in the first round was? Huh. 40 years. Yes. It goes back to... I guess 19... almost 40 years. I think it was 1986. Phew. Well, I got no idea. Keith Byers. Oh, was it Keith Byers? How Keith about that? Keith Byers. In the last three seasons, the Eagles have taken seven players from the previous year's college football champion and eight total players who were on a title team at some point in their college career. In the five previous years, with Roseman handling the draft, they didn't take any players on the previous year's champion. Roseman said, The last two drafts have been a byproduct of the Alabama pair Devontae Smith and Landon Dickerson working out so well. Tim, with our first pick, we took Jalen Carter. And he seems to be the answer for departing player Javon Hargrave, who had yep. 11 sacks for us last year, who yep. left for San Francisco. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on Mr. Jalen Carter? Um, yeah, I mean, he's he comes with a lot of question marks in terms of the off-the-field you know, antics, right? So, you know, he's kind of involved in uh, – there was like a vehicular uh, manslaughter – type deal where he was driving racing cars and uh yeah there's another student that was killed um which is obviously sad um but he wasn't like directly involved he was and uh, i don't know there's that look it that's the reason why he slid to nine right and, right and he is highly regarded as the best talent in the draft um people said that he was going to go number one uh you know if this this thing did not not happen um you know some of these players make mistakes as young kids and um yeah it's time to grow up now you know you're in you're in a man's league and uh you know you're in a position here to contribute to your family you're gonna make a ton of money in the nfl and you know it's time to time to straighten up but like the eagles it's a it's a good position to be in because the eagles have a, a great organization with a lot of veteran talent around them um which could embrace a kid like that um, with any potential baggage you know, that he comes with. But it, it just seemed like a great pick. The kid will replace Javon, Javon Hargraves. Look, he's a first-round pick, so he's going to get a nice little um, nice little compensation, right? But it's nowhere near what, what the Niners are paying Javon Hargraves. Um, right. So you're, you're getting a guy that's going to be on a rookie deal for you know, the next four and a half or almost five years. Um and yeah, you rebuild that defensive line, which is something that has been a, a key thing for the Eagles over the past you know, five years. Is just rebuilding the offensive and defensive lines. Is just keep on reloading and keep on reloading, and that's what they've been doing, and that's why they keep on finding success. Right. And so, speaking of the defensive line, their second pick was Nolan Smith. Um, he seems like he might fit in well with the new defensive coordinator. Now, I don't know if I'm saying this right. The last name Sean Desai. The side mm-hmm. who likes to get creative or likes to get creative on known passing downs. Smith will possibly be sharing the field with Hassan Reddick, Josh Sweat, Brandon Graham on those downs. Nolan Smith, another player. Now, 
Jalen Carter seemed to be a player that some some scouts had as should maybe be the number one pick overall. Mm-hmm. Nolan Smith was another player that they thought could go around our first pick, and he ended up falling to our second pick. Tim, are you are you happy with uh, Nolan Smith, another player from last year's national championship team? Yeah. So I mean, anyone from that Georgia defense seems to be a good pick, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, they won back to back championships. Uh, one of the the most highly regarded defenses, you know, over the course of the last 20 years, they said. So, um, you know, bring them all. Uh, I, yeah. You know, rebuild the, the Georgia defense and add in some other flavor that we have uh, that's already here. But, um, yeah, he's an edge rusher. They say he's kind of built in the same mold as Hassan Reddick. Uh, you saw what he did this year. I think he had 17 sacks this year. Um you know, uh, an edge rusher that that can get to the quarterback from the outside, speed rusher. Um, yeah, it's going to be fun to see him on the edge. And, you know, you have two guys you know, that are kind of up in age, like Fletcher Cox, right? And and, right. and and Brandon Graham, who are, you know, towards the end of their careers here with the Eagles. And and you find some nice replacements in Jalen Carter and, uh, and Nolan Smith to kind of backfill them after they decide to either retire or, or move on. But, um, you know, two excellent picks. I mean, the Eagles have now, you know, looking after all the chips have settled after the draft, you come out with the draft grades. I I see nothing but A-pluses across the board, no matter what website you go to or what TV show you're watching. The Eagles and Howie Roseman knocked it out of the park. And, uh, you know, it seems like they've they've really done a, a nice job with the draft again this year. Yeah, so – with their next pick, they took Tyler Steen, the offensive lineman from Alabama, adds depth um, to our offensive line and another school with a championship pedigree. It seems like their their deal is to build the lines up first and mm-hmm. then go go out, which I'm I definitely think that's the way to go. Is specifically the pass rush. The quicker you can get to their quarterbacks, the more you can stop a quarterback. You're gonna have a a good chance of winning and uh howie roseman has talked about how he um learned a lot from when we won the super bowl the following year and trying to run it back and their draft picks and not only that but signing players and keeping players around that maybe he learned that look you know you want to have loyalty to these players but at the end of the day it's about winning the game so I do have some sort, some concerns, Tim, at a linebacker and safety. The Eagles mm-hmm. are spending six point one million on linebackers next year, which ranks thirty first in the NFL, yeah. and seven point two million at safety, which ranks 29th. Nicobe yeah. Dean and Nicholas Morrow are our linebackers. Um, might be getting exploited at times because of uh, their ability. I like those players, and maybe our defensive linemen will make up for the 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 lack of and it's just money being spent that doesn't mean our players can't be good um we also drafted Sidney brown the safety out of illinois and now howie roseman had him marked as what's called a red star player and roseman says a red star player is a player who exemplifies what it means to be an eagle so it's great character a captain testing numbers intelligence and plays the way it should be played are you happy with where we're at and will the defensive line take care of our other issues defensively? Yeah. So the defensive line, their job essentially is to keep, especially in the run game, right. Is to keep those linebackers free. Um, so, 
you know, professional linebackers should be able to fill gaps and make tackles. But when you invest as much money as the Eagles do in that defensive line, you know, they better do their job to keep those linebackers free, um, being able to make those tackles, right, by the running backs and right. um, and things of that nature. Um, look, N'Kobe Dean uh, was a, is an all-time player at Georgia. Uh, he was a special teamer last year, got in, you know, not a lot, uh, didn't get a lot of tick you know, on the field as a linebacker, but they obviously feel pretty confident in him and his abilities to step in into a starting role. Um, they've never invested in linebackers, so that number is pretty standard. You know, every year for the Eagles, you don't see them spend any money on bringing in big free agent linebackers because they invest so heavily in the D line. The so safeties, sounds, sorry, Tim, that sounds more like the philosophy that we were talking about, right? They're, yep, they're not like almost like the running back philosophy. You don't want to invest in that. So you can spend mm-hmm. other ways. Okay. Yeah. You see it, you look at it. I mean, look at what the Eagles spent their money on, right? They, they bring in two corners, right? They have slay. Um, right. And then they got Bradbury on the other end. Um, they're locked up for a couple of years now. So you invested money in your corners and, and now you're going to hope that, you know, your safeties can come in and play this kid out of Illinois. Um, you got a lot of, comparisons to i know i hate saying oh god this, but, here we go yeah he's a big hitter and he's a little undersized and you know if you look back in the eagles history there's a, a player that you know, everyone talks about but like it's the worst thing with com- comparing players to other players right he's not going to be the next brian dawkins and when you bring that up you know people start you know it's like comparing uh What's his name? Derek uh, Alda, Jim Tomei. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, uh, so who would do that? Yeah, who? What asshole would do that? Um, but again, yeah, this kid seems like he's a, a pretty decent player. Um, yeah, then I think they also drafted Keely Ringo, which is uh, another kid out of Georgia who was supposed to be a, a first round prospect, and he dropped, I think, to the fifth round or fourth round where the Eagles selected him uh, could probably play some, some slot corner and, and get some tick there, but he doesn't have to be forced into a starting role. Right. So right. you have two corners locked up, you know, he can spare somebody in you know, injury situations or, you know, or whatever, take a playoff. But like a lot of these guys are getting drafted for special teams, right? Like these guys will, will make their money on special teams for the first couple of years until they're able to start in, in a role, you know, on that defense. So um yeah, I like the pick from Illinois. I like that kid. I'm not worried about the the linebackers at all. There's also like what happens, you know, when you get into the first couple of weeks of the season, right? Like in the in the mini camps, you know, when guys are being cut because of their price tags, and that's how we ended up getting Bradbury last year, if you remember. Right. Uh, so, um, yeah, there are some pieces that are probably going to be added, uh, right, um, before the season starts. So I'm not really worried about you know where we're at right now. Just got to worry about, you know, getting those, uh, you know, getting the team together, getting them into, you know, the OTAs and all that stuff and, and getting them, you know, some rhythm and, and some reps and, and uh, you know, before the bullets start flying in, in August. So, yeah, you know what? And uh, I like the idea of picking someone up for a decent contract of maybe a proven veteran and someone <laughs> to put into those positions that you haven't spent a ton of money on and add some veteran leadership and, and a proven guy that you know. And one of like, I mean, again, let me just add the one thing that we completely forgot about, uh, unless you have it on your list here, but the addition of DeAndre Swift during the draft was absolutely a home run, right? We talked about last time on the show about drafting Bijan Robinson, right? 
I mean, the way it kind of set up, it seemed like that was that might be, you know, the, the route that they go. And they go and trade for DeAndre Swift. They traded a fourth and a seventh for him, right? All they did was was switch uh, seventh round picks, right? And they gave up a fourth. Right. DeAndre Swift has one year left on his contract for one point seven million, right? So he's essentially on a prove it deal himself. So <laughs> we're gonna get. You know, listen. He's gonna he's gonna play here for one year and and probably leave. We're not gonna re-sign him more than likely. Right. Um, but if he gets signed elsewhere, we end up getting a compens- uh, com- compensatory pick for him, which is gonna be a fourth round pick. So essentially, we got DeAndre Swift for nothing. Wow. Um, th- the way it works out. So now Howie Roseman strikes yeah, again. Your running back, your running back room is complete. And you don't have to tinker with that at all. And you got a weapon in DeAndre Swift that can score from any part of the field. Like the guy is a home run hitter. He's not going to carry the ball 25 times, but he's going to probably, he's probably going to carry the ball the majority of the time. Now Um, he'll probably get 10 to 12 carries a game, right? Split that load with all the other burning backs. And, you know, you have a nice backfield there. Yeah. And not to mention the price tag, like you were saying, it with him and Rashad Penny, the running back that we got from Seattle, mm-hmm. I think it's like a total of like $3 million, right. where Miles Sanders and, um, shoot, who was the running back that we were going to, Derrick Henry, they're, they're getting $10 million plus. That's right. what they want. So yep. you're saving $7 million. You're, you're, it, Howie Roseman has been doing a great job. Like you mentioned, Keeley Ringo, cornerback from Georgia, 6'2. 207 pounds runs a 4.36 40 yard dash 20 years old um eagles thought about taking him earlier and saw when he fell and they jumped at the op- uh, at the opportunity tanner mm-hmm. mckee qb out of stanford nick sirianni liked his accuracy decision making and arm strength and i know we just we just signed our quarterback and we brought in mariota it's a young quarterback we're going to bring him in he's got a good arm strength decision making and accuracy why not um, quarterback, the quarterback factory is back. Yeah, yeah. Quarterback controversy in Philadelphia. No, um, no, no Moro no, no. Ajomo, defensive tackle from Texas, another player um, replacing Hargrove. He was a day three pick. Um, some other notable day three picks that have hit: Kenneth Gainwell, Jordan Maialata, Jason Kelsey, Josh Sweat, and Avante Maddox. Tim, where are you where are you pulling these stats from? Huh? Where are you getting that stuff? I'm doing from? pretty good this time, <laughs> aren't bad, I? Not Thank bad. you. You're like, Thank you're you. like Dave Spadaro, dude. Look at yeah. you. Well, here I am, Tim. <laughs> uh, overall grade, I'm going to give Howie Roseman an A. I love the draft. I love the trades. I love the picks. I'm excited about this season. I think we are maybe set up better for next year than we were last year. And I know things. A lot of things have to go your way throughout the season. Health is the big thing and and people like you are maybe catching up on our schemes and stuff but i'm very excited and i give howie roseman an a on uh on this draft i don't know what what are you what is your grade no i would i would say you know he's obviously in i mean he's got a step ahead of everyone it seems like and uh it's a change in philosophy you know for years we've been talking about draft from the sec everyone was pounding it like yo what are we doing here why are we drafting yeah you know Pac-12 receivers from the Pac-12, right? Or the Pac-10 or whatever yeah, the hell it's called. Whatever now. it is. Like Jalen Rager, what are we doing like with this guy, right? Like, and, you know, you've seen just a change in philosophy with Howie and he's going, you know, he's fishing, dude, where he's fishing where the fish are, man. It's Alabama, it's SEC. 
you know, it's it's schools like that, Georgia, right? And and you're getting blue chip prospects, and we're developing them, which is what you need to do in the NFL. So I give them an A. It's a, it's been a solid draft, and we'll see how it plays out. Well, you know, in three years from now, we can while we're doing Schmidt and Lavelle from from the draft, maybe from we'll the draft <laughs> live from the Eagles draft room. <laughs> yeah, we'll know if this class if this draft class really panned out. So that's right. Um. Tim, one last thing. The the biggest winner from this weekend, possibly now, and I'm I'm not gonna say his last name correctly because I don't know how. Mr. Will Levis. There you go. Will Levis, his girlfriend, Miss Gia Duddy. If you haven't checked her out, go to Instagram and and give her a look. Beautiful young lady that was featured at the draft this weekend. Everyone was a buzz about Miss Gia Duddy. Tim, where does Miss Gia Duddy go to college? She has to go to Georgia at least, right? Penn State. Oh, ah, well, ah. well, that makes well that makes sense. You know why? You know, Will Will Levis used to go to Penn State. He transferred out. Of course he did. Yeah. Of course he did. <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, Tim. So that was a draft and a great draft, and we're very excited about this next season. This past week, Tim, um, my mom has been on vacation. She set up what is the vacation of a lifetime a trip throughout Europe with a Caribbean cruise and just going and seeing Europe and all Europe has to offer. Um, Tim, my mom has started a group text with me and my siblings, my wife, my siblings, mm-hmm. uh, husbands and wives. And now she, it's like, it's like we're on her blog and she's telling us about her trip. Mom, uh, she, you know, our first text, Hello from Zurich, Switzerland. Don and I, my mom's husband, spent a very nice day in Zurich. Though jet-lagged, tonight we enjoyed an Italian dinner at a local (laughs) restaurant that specializes in homemade pasta. Yum. We walked along the river and just returned to our hotel. Thoroughly exhausted, we are looking forward to a deep slumber tonight. Please download the WhatsApp so we can communicate in the most efficient manner. Thank you. We will probably post pictures on the app. We will tour Zurich tomorrow morning on foot, by bus, and by boat. In the afternoon, we will visit the Lint Chocolate Factory. I will have a chocolate-making lesson with the Lint Chocolatier. <laughs> what the fuck so is excited. going on here, dude? Sweet dreams. What? This, this is, is my real? mom. This is my mom. She sends uh, these things. I imagine her sitting there right, waiting to write her text. She 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 licks the, uh, the feather pen, dips uh, it in the ink, and is ready to to text away she starts sending pictures and i've sent responses to my to my mother on on these group texts first of all two of the numbers i don't even know that are on this group text. <laughs> second one of them is an email she always sends a text that's an email and like she includes the person's uh, email address and not a text uh, i hate that yeah and i've sent like i've sent responses like dearest mother I hope this this text finds you in good fortune. <laughs> so she's telling us the, the, the next day, we spent the day in Strasbourg, France, and are en route to Spire, Germany. I forgot to take a picture to send, but Don took amazing pictures on his camera to share later. I'm in Germany today. Don and I visited the Imperial Cathedral in Spire, built in the early 11th century. Blah, 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 blah. She's giving us a tour of her whole trip, Tim. I love my mother, but these texts... These texts, they need to stop. I've told her she's, she's, I don't know what, what she's doing. I don't know you what need, she's doing. 
she's blogging. She's live blogging to you, your family, dude. Yes. You got to you gotta tell her to get on a blog and just write it on a blog and leave you out of it. Say, mom, write, write this on a, put it on a blog and I'll check every day and see what you're doing. That way you don't get the goddamn text, dude. Like, it's brutal. It's awful. And my mom, and she, God bless her, she's a doctor. She got her doctorate in... Um, in reading and in, in math and reading and math specialist she has been published in books for uh, a couple different things and she sure loves to let us know it you know via text that she everything she's doing now um the latest one though was not very happy tim sorry to be sorry i haven't been in touch was the first thing she said oh, <laughs> right we're, we're, her, we're her and don fighting no was there a little battle Sorry, I haven't been in touch. Like, like, oh yeah, we were wondering, <laughs> you know? like, Mom, why haven't you texted me about your trip? But I haven't been in touch. floor. What's going yeah. on? Where were you guys? Uh, like, question mark, question mark, Mom. What's how's the trip going? Sorry, I haven't been in touch. Friday night, I started with chills, fever, and a headache. I've been sleeping off and on since then. My body temperature is a hundred degrees, which is an impromptu, which I think was a mistext. She says, Don started to feel poorly yesterday. His temperature is 102. I think we are both on the mend as we are able to eat soup for lunch today. We cannot go on any excursions, so we lay in our stateroom and watch the scenery as we float up river. Now, as annoying as the, the, the blog that I'm getting via text from my mom might be, it's funny, whatever. I love my mom, as you know. So they got COVID on their fucking trip. It the sounds- trip of a lifetime. <laughs> thousands and thousands of dollars they can't leave the fucking cruise line how much does that suck oh my god actually someone told me that they did this a couple weeks ago someone was like in alaska they were on the same the same trip and they got stuck in their in their cabin for like four of the days actually no it was ray dinger ray dinger did yeah ray dinger the eagles guy i listened to him on the radio him and his wife went on this like major excursion the same thing happened to him they got covid and they spent like three of the seven days or three of the 10 days, like in quarantine. It sucked. Oh, that sucks. And it <laughs> sucks for my mom. I mean, it's, so, but now there's a whole thing, him and my, her, her and my, my, my brother, like tried to like made a joke on the text, you know, about it. And she took it the wrong way. And is like, oh. how dare you do that to me? Blah, blah, blah. Like, it's like this whole thing. And I'm like, I'm glad I didn't make a joke. <laughs> but mom, I hope you're feeling better soon on your vacation and you get to enjoy what is left of it. Yeah, mom, glad I didn't make a joke. I'm just going to talk shit on you on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Timmy. So there's a new rule in New Jersey Little League. Um, this town is trying to approach is trying a new approach after a series of verbal attacks and volunteer umpires led to their quitting little league baseball on volunteer umpires led to their quitting little league baseball. The aim is to curb rude behavior and remind parents that it's just a game. Anyone who berates an umpire or steps onto the field to complain about a call will now have to work as an umpire for three games under supervision or be completely sidelined with a year long ban from all youth sports events. This is in Deptford, New Jersey. Tim, Tim, first of all, I don't know about you, but the 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 attacks on on little league refs, umpires, anything like that is way out of control. These parents need to get a grip, okay? We've all been 
me and you, we played sports our whole lives. We've been yeah. screwed a thousand times by refs, whatever. It is what it is. You don't blame the ref for losing a game or, or anything. You know, you have to play better, in my opinion. What do you think of this new role? And what do you think of the way people address these umpires and refs at these kids' games? No, it's uh, it's a shame. I mean, number one, let me let me address the rule. I think the rule is fantastic. Um, yeah, you put yeah these these adults these adults yeah that are screaming and yelling at, at referees in the shoes of those yeah you know, that have been a victim of of that you know just verbal abuse and you know it's it's one thing to to be able to sit there and like look we've all been fans at games and have said things and you know these guys are paid a lot of money to do what they do on the professional level we're talking about you know kids here like 10 11 year old kids 12 year old kids even younger than that right and and these umpires they get paid nothing to do this some of them even just volunteer and and i think it's it's a perfect way to really gain perspective for parents who who don't have the time to do it or, you know, don't want to just, you know, put the time or effort into, you know, into actually caring about what goes into that thing. Right. It's just, yeah. it's, it's such a shame. And, you know, I, I think I referenced this before on the, on the show that I saw like a real world or a, a real sports documentary on attacks on referees and, you know, it gets physical time to time. And it's just, it's insane. Like the, the lengths that these people go to and it be, it's becoming dangerous to the point where, you know, it's scarce to, to be able to, to get referees. Like games are being canceled because referees, they don't have enough of them. And right. Um, yeah, this is a, maybe it's a way to, to really kind of replenish that crop and kind of get people back into it. And uh, I think it's brilliant what they're doing and I, I hope it sticks. And I hope, I hope, yeah, you know, it, it turns out to be a good thing. I think it could be a positive thing for the community, especially over there in Deptford. And, um, yeah, hopefully other townships run with it in, in different places and it catches on because I think it's a perfect way to to kind of get everyone else involved and gain perspective. Yeah, Tim, I agree. And I think this should be a rule throughout the country. I love this rule. And I think that the parents should have a little taste of what it's like to to be a referee. It's not the easiest thing to do. And, it's a thankless job. Nobody's happy with the with the umpire or the referee. And maybe if they got out there and got a little a little dose of uh, what it's like to be behind the plate there, calling balls and strikes, they would realize, it, you know, hey, I need to relax when these guys are making a call and this and that. Or you could have fun with it, you know. Yeah, if you ever seen the Naked Gun, you know, Leslie oh, Nielsen, like, Enrique Palazzo, <laughs> you could. You can do your own little like strike call. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love that, dude. Yeah. That is an all-time scene. To anyone listening right now, if you have not <sighs> seen that movie in that particular part, Naked Gun, it is hilarious. Go watch it all time. They don't make them like that anymore, Tim. We Am I right? No, oh, no, no, not at all. I mean, those are you know crack movies that I love, like that airplane, all that. Yes. Um, but like, dude, I, I'm telling you. The kids that I played little league baseball with, we always remember the umpires with like the weird calls. There was a uh, there's a local guy named Denny Myers. God bless his soul. Uh, he, he passed away, but he used to do strike two every time, and he would go two and do it all the <laughs> way across. 
that was his like signature call. Like he'd strike two. Everyone would get like anxious. Like, oh, we got strike two. Here comes Denny Myers. Two was the signature call. Two, yeah. Not wow. on three. Yeah, you don't two. see that often that two yeah. is the signature call. Yeah. What a freaking thing. All right, Timmy. So before we talked about your weekend, and I wanted to get into one more thing about my weekend. This past Saturday, I went to my niece's first Holy Communion. Beautiful service. As we had talked about in the episode before, I had nothing to wear. I didn't know what to wear. I ended up finding a pair of pants that I think barely fit. And and a uh, luckily it was a little bit cold, so I could throw on a, a sweater. You know, I have some like uh, old faithfuls that I still go with the sweaters. I feel like the sweaters are getting a little tighter. I need to lose a couple LBs. Either way. That we time went of to, year, Tom. We went to communion and... Um, it was a beautiful service. My kid was my my seven month old was being a little noisy in the, in the church. It was a packed church. Um, the 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 children were dressed in their dresses and their suits. Great thing, great great uh, homily by the priest. Everyone goes up. My kid, who's five, who's not received first holy communion, and my other niece, who's also five, were curious about it. They went up to see what was going on. And my niece then starts asking questions, you know, well, so what is this? Oh, well, it's it's uh, it's the body of Christ. They turn it into the at, at the Last Supper. Jesus had bread. He said, this is my body. Eat from it. You blah, 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 whatever. And she said, what is what does Jesus taste like? <laughs> kind of an odd question, Timmy. Um, I my response was uh, stale. You know, he tastes a little stale. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it. Tim, what does Jesus taste like? Tastes like heaven, baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, tastes like heaven. Uh, a little, little, little known fact about Mr. Schmidt. I I used to be a Eucharistic minister. Oh, how, how about that? You would <laughs> be handing out the. You'd be uh, handing Jesus out. I'm throwing body of Christ out everywhere, dude. <laughs> Little frisbees, baby. Uh, you know, what do you want out your mouth? You're like the dog, the dog catching the frisbee, you know? Oh, dude. Yeah, the weirdest is like the guy that would come up and go, like that. <laughs> I got to put it on your tongue now. I got to put it on your tongue. I got to put this thing on your tongue. I mean, hopefully by <laughs> hopefully by now they've banned that. Like, you know, with COVID and everything, you're sticking your fingers. I was like 16 years old sticking my fingers in some old guy's mouth. <laughs> I knocked my camera on that one. <laughs> little, little that guy ridiculous. really wanted to taste and see. You know yeah. what I mean? There's, there's, yeah. a, there's a song for you. By the way, the songs, they still got some major freaking hits at the Catholic Church. You know, the Table of Plenty, Taste and See, uh, one bread, one body. One bread, one body. Eagle's wings. And he will raise you up on eagle's wings. Major hits at the church. So then after that, we go back to, uh, after communion and the ceremony, we go back to um, my sister and, and brother-in-law's house for a little party. And uh, sorry, I have to get my camera set back up. And they have some drinks in the uh, in the refrigerator, so I go and I grab a uh, what they had was the statesides. They had a stateside vodka seltzer, Ooh. and I got one of those. And you know, I hadn't had anything. I was like, "Damn, I'm ready to have a drink." Drink that thing, you know. Don't really think much of it. Drink it down. I go back to grab another one, and my nephew's there, and he goes, "Are you getting another one already?" 
Now he's he's I think nine. I was like, yeah. He's like, uh, don't you think that's enough? Like, what you're gonna get drunk? And I go, ooh. Well, that's the point. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes, well, good luck with the, you know, good luck in the future. He says to me, and I was like, what the fuck does that mean? He's really mind, really mind fucking you a little bit. I got mind fucked by like my my little nephew. Yeah. Well, and your niece. She hit you with the, what, what does Jesus taste like? <laughs> oh my God. Who's I gotta own this weekend? Holy yeah. crap. I well, got freaking owned by my niece and my nephew. Yeah. What does Jesus taste like? And good luck in your future. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, dare uh. I say they crucified me, Tim? Uh. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, all right, last thing, real quick. Mr. Bryce Harper is playing tonight for the Philadelphia Phillies. Tim, super excited to have that bat back in the lineup. Bryce Harper, you add him to our lineup, it's immediately better. Um, my concerns are that they're going to put him in the field too soon. I would like them to wait as, as long no, they as won't. they have to. They're not going to put him in the field. Nowhere, they, not, not tonight, but I'm saying too no. soon. No, they won't. They, they played him DH the entire year last year. They're not. Okay. Why would they put him in the field? Right, He's just coming off Tommy John surgery. There's no shot. They put him in the field for at least two months. I've been he's hearing gonna, rumors of first base talk. Uh, two months? I mean, okay, eh. two months I'll, I'll be okay with. I mean, I, Not until after the All-Star break. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. But, I mean, first base wouldn't be terrible. I mean, you're not throwing the ball a ton. Uh, but, yeah, look. He's going to be your DH for the foreseeable future. You're going to put Schwarber back out in left field. Uh, Cassianos is going to stay in right. Um, you know, it just adds a bat to the lineup that is really going to uh, put things into perspective. I mean, you put Schwarber back at first, right? He's going to be batting first. Probably, I saw the lineup tonight. And honestly, dude, the way these kids are hitting, you have so much flexibility with the lineup. Uh, the one thing I don't want to see, though, moving forward is like, look, don't keep on moving them up and down the lineup. These guys like to hit where they like to hit. Like, keep, keep them in the same spot for an extended period of time, right? If you're going to hit Marsh fifth, hit them fifth and keep them in that five spot for an extended period of time. Let right. them work it out, right? So, like, I get you're getting – you have a lot of injuries and the lineups have been changing left and right. But, like, moving forward, now that you have a full lineup, you got to stick with the lineup for – you know, tinker with it a little bit for the first like week or two that that Harper's back, and then once you find a rhythm, stick with it. So that's that's my only ask of of you know Philly Rob. You know, just stick with the lineup after after you make those adjustments, and and let's see how it plays out. Tim, I love that suggestion, and I hope they listen to you, and I hope a lot of you listen to us on uh, Schmidt and Lavelle, and you enjoy what we're doing here. If you like anything, please share, like comment do whatever do whatever you'd want just just interact with us we'd appreciate it we hope you like what we're doing tim any final thoughts any final words for our uh, schmidt and lavelleites out there i got nothing oh here's the here's the ched ched cheers what's ched it's just a thing what the hell is Chad? <laughs> All right, well, maybe on next week's episode we'll figure out what Chad is. Thanks again for listening to Schmidt Lavelle. We hope you have a great rest of your week. 
and check us out next time on all podcast platforms and YouTube. Thanks again. Peace out. What movie? Um, Bad News Bears. Oh, that's right. Uh.